Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. never break my New Year's resolutions. I don't make any. I just kind of one of those people that when I decide I'm going to do something, I do it. And if I'm not ready to do it, I wait. (laughs) The uh, Encounter Weekend is also coming up and you can register at the Information Center or online. I think that's next weekend. No, two weekends. weekends. I got to get my dates straight. Two weekends. Two weeks from this coming Friday. So you want to make sure that you're there. If you've never been, I encourage you to go. It'll change your life. And that said, as you can see, my wife's going to minister with us today. So we've got an arrangement as we talk about open hands and full heart today. Um, I'm going to let my wife minister, and then I'm just going to kind of make sure that we stay on track and follow all the, the details and things like that. I get to use as many words as I want. We're a, we're a good team. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the, the continuation of this paradox series that kind of developed over time. You know, we did some wisdom is better than strength and dying to live and humility lifts you up. Today, we're going to talk about open hands, full heart. And the concept or the, the paradox that we're going to talk about today, and paradoxes are always those two statements that kind of seem contradictory for both to be true at the same time, but somehow when we get into the kingdom of God, these things happen. Today's paradox is receiving through giving. Now, when the young ladies read the scripture a minute ago, uh, Tolu and Angie, I think, uh, the, I don't know if you saw when they read in Acts verse 20, 35, it said, and Jesus said, it's better to give than to receive. How many saw that up on the screen? Now, how many of you scholars can tell me where in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John Jesus said that? Anyone? 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 It's not there. How many of you knew that? See, we went first service. (laughs) Exactly. When... Luke was writing the book of Acts, and he was talking about what Paul was saying to everyone in in Acts 20, 35. If you go to the end of the book of John, I think it's the last verse, 21, 25, he talks about all the books in the world couldn't contain all the things that Jesus did that were good and the things that Jesus said. And as a result of that, we see that at that time, they didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John anyway. They weren't circulating at that time um, that this was written. Like, those all came online around the same era. So it's very logical and consistent that Jesus said a lot of things when he was on the planet Earth. How many know this? But not everything he said was recorded, but God wanted that recorded, so he put it in Acts instead of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's your trivia question for today. I thought that was interesting anyways. But nonetheless, so there are other things that we can give besides money. How many of you know this? 
So we kind of broke it down into three primary categories that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about giving your time, giving your treasure, uh, and, and giving of your talent today. Those are the three areas that we're going to talk about. But as I let my wife come up and talk, I can also, you know, give recognition to people. And, and Louise, I just wanted to say happy birthday. 56 years young today. Happy birthday. I'm sorry, I'm not a very good singer, but I wish you a very happy birthday. May God bless you today. <laughs> Go ahead, Angel. Okay, so this morning we're going to begin with time. And we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 20. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, giving psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and make music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to focus on here when I talk about our time um, and opportunity is I want to focus on the first part of that scripture. And it, I want to read the first part again. It says, so be careful with how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So we're going to receive many, many, like countless opportunities in our life, throughout our life. But it's not so much the opportunity in our life as what we do with the opportunity that we've been given. And, you know, the Bible, you know, the word admonishes us that, you know, in everything that we do, you know, to acknowledge God and he will direct our path. And not every opportunity is, you know, uh, written on the wall for you. You have to, with each opportunity, you need to go to the Lord like the verse um, admonishes us to. Don't act thoughtlessly, but you need to understand what the Lord wants you to do. So with each opportunity, it's been given to you for a reason, for a purpose, and it's not always known to you, and you need to seek the Lord for it. And many times those opportunities are tests that open the door to much greater opportunity for you that lies ahead, but you got to get through the test first to get to the next opportunity that will give you the bigger opportunity, the more fuller opportunity. So we've been working with our daughter, Isabel. She's our oldest. And tomorrow she actually turns 13. It's her birthday tomorrow. And so she's, yeah, she's getting older. My goodness, time flies. And, and she's coming to the place where, you know, we've told her it's not always the bank of mom and dad. You know, you've gotta, it's gotta be the bank of Isabel. And we're not here to supply every desire that you have. And she, you know, she wants this and she wants this. And so we're coaching her in, well, you're going to be earning some money and you need to learn to earn some money. And so she's been starting to babysit and, uh, she's been enjoying that and everything. And so she's been, um, wanting more opportunities to babysit. So we've been encouraging her, you know, just do what you know to do. You know, you pray and you tithe and just believe God for the opportunities to come. So recently, 
Um, about, you know, last week, she came home and she was really excited. She had an opportunity. Uh, a mother had approached her. She goes to the bus stop and everything, and there are moms there, and they see her, and she chit-chats with them and says hi. And she had asked her, you know, I would love wondering if you're open to walking my son home from school on the bus. He's a little JK boy. They live on the same street as us. And so it would be like a few houses down from us. And she was like, I would be happy to pay you for it. I want to pay you. And Isabel was like all excited about the opportunity. And so she came home. She said, can I just talk to my mom and uh, my parents? I'll let you know. And she's like, oh, yeah, of course, of course. So Isabel comes home and she tells us about this opportunity. And almost immediately, the Holy Spirit like just quickened to me that this is a test for her, this opportunity. And so I listened to her, you know, as she presented this to me, and I just posed the question to her. I said, Isabel, what would happen if you just chose to do this to be kind? And she was kind of like, you know, I've been praying for this opportunity, Mommy. It's my answer to prayer. And I'm like, yes, yes, honey, I, I understand that. But trying to get your children to understand a principle that the world teaches the opposite, that you need to give in order to receive, you gotta, you gotta work that out, help them understand, not with their head, but with their, with their spirit that's within them, it, it's inside. So, and I said, Isabel, I understand that. But the word of God tells us the way we get is to give. We need to give out and we're gonna get more, we receive. And so I said, but you know what? This can't be me telling you what to do. With each opportunity, mommy and daddy are encouraging you. You need to pray. Pray about it. What should you do? And so, you know, she went off and she came back to me later and she was like, you know what, mom? I think you're right. I think I want to do this because I want to be kind. And I want to um, use my time. That time isn't going to take me any extra. It's just like literally five minutes walking the little boy back to his house and back home, it won't be any trouble at all. And I said, and I said you know, I agree, Isabel. I, I'm really proud of you. You came to, a, I think, a really good choice. And I said, and I agree with you right now. God's going to open up a better opportunity for you. And um, I took the time to talk to her. We've been talking to the, about this a lot. And I took the time to show her and really um, highlight to her Proverbs 3, verses 3 to 4. And it says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder and write them deep within your heart. And then you will find favor with both God and people. And you will earn a good reputation. And this is something that we've been talking about for a lot with all the girls for like the last six months. It's actually been quite a, a highlight piece in our home. And um, Cinderella said it, but Jesus said it first, you know. So, but... What are you typing on my iPad? Nothing. Something silly, I see. Um, anyway, um, so, you know, that movie came out or whatever, and we've been talking to them. We talk to them frequently about, you know, you need to be kind. Treat others the way you want to be treated. And so, you know, and often when we try to bring correction into their lives or give them guidance or discipline, you, we frequently refer back to the word. And they're like, yeah, mom, I know, I know the word says. Yes, I know, I know the word says. And we're like, okay. And so Cinderella says it. And bing! They heard it. 
light bulb goes off and it's like, Mom, Cinderella said, have courage, be kind. Have courage, be kind. Have courage, be kind. And so I'm like, yes, she did. Isn't that wonderful? And, um, but the Holy Spirit, I was, I was like, you know, man, we've said this over and over again to you guys. And yes, but mom, we remember it now because you keep saying it to us. And that's why we remember it. You know, so the foundation, the, it came up, that, that highlight in that movie stood out to them. Why? Because the foundation was laid before. That mom and dad kept bringing it up to them. Have courage. Be kind. Take the time, whether it be a, f- a couple extra minutes here and there, to do something kind. You won't believe how much it brightens somebody's day to just bring them a coffee, bring them a tea, buy them a donut, like something. Like we did a... Um, like I said, this has been a recurring theme for us in the last few months. And over this past summer, we did like a random acts of kindness. What could we do this week, you know, for somebody? Let's be kind. And the one thing we did that just totally surprised the girls, they, just, they were just surprised at all the responses from all the people that we got was just buy coffee for people, different places. And, and especially at, uh, we frequent Costco often. We're there like every week. Family of six. They know us. And we know them by name. And for years, we've chatted with them in the same faces and stuff, and we talk with them. And um, so we brought them almost weekly. We would buy them iced coffees. We'd pick a department, and we'd go, and we'd bring everybody, like, these iced coffees. And they just, like, stared at us like, like we were aliens. Like, we had three heads. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you bringing us coffee? That is, like, the nicest thing anybody's ever done for you. And I'm thinking oh my gosh, if that's the nicest thing that anybody's ever done for you, I feel like, my goodness, I'll bring you more coffee. Like, I can bring you more coffee. That's not a lot. And so just opening a door for somebody, you know, I remind my kids, especially if you see an elderly person, take time, open the door, be kind, smile. Take that extra minute if you can see a friend, somebody that needs somebody to talk to. Take time, talk. Show them a smile, give them a hug, and you will find that it not only blesses them, but it blesses you. It encourages you. It makes your heart feel fuller as you opened your hand to give out. So the University of Notre Dame did a study on generosity. find it amazing. They have to do a full study to prove that the Word of God is true. (laughs) This is what they concluded in the generosity study. The more generous people are, they're happier, they're healthier, they have more purpose in life, and they enjoy life more than people that are less generous. That was conclusion one. Well, I kind of summed it up to that. Conclusion two, generous practices enhance personal well-being. When you are a generous person, you actually have a higher quality of life than people who are less generous. It makes you not only feel better about yourself, you actually enjoy what you have more, whether you have more or less. So that tells me that generosity is an attitude, generosity is a choice. And realistically, the word of God talks about it's better to give than it is to receive. So they had to do a whole scientific study to prove that it's better to give than receive. For us, we're Christians. We just take the Bible at face value, right? The Bible's the word of God. It must be true. Therefore, if it's truth, we can live according to these principles. Science is kind of funny because they're still trying to catch up. 
I mean, it took science thousands of years to figure out that, you know, the Earth revolves around the sun. Because a couple thousand years ago, the Earth was flat, wasn't it? Not even. <laughs> but the Bible talks about it, you know, but, but, you know, they get it eventually. So it's really important that we have an understanding that generous people enjoy life more. They're happier, they're healthier. And not only that, they have this fullness of life that God talks about, that, that God kind of life. So I think that there's some attribute of God's character that we get to reflect in generosity. Yes. We'll go to the... Uh... So I'm going to go on with talent. And we have a little bit of a fun sermon illustration for you. So can I have a volunteer... Don't be afraid. I'm, you can trust me. If it was RJ asking for a volunteer, don't trust him. He's a prankster, and, you know, when he'll come up and ask you to smell the icing or something like that. And Never smell the flavored icing. for those of you who have been rescued icing. by me or fallen prey to this prank, you know Perfect. what I speak up. So, can I have a volunteer? Anybody She's want a volunteer? Down. Yeah. Do you, do you like chocolate? <laughs> do you like chocolate? All right. Come on up here. Come on up. Tell everyone your name. What? Tell everyone your name. Alex. I know. Alex. This is Alex, everyone. She's our volunteer, and she doesn't know quite what she's getting into. But you can trust it's me. It's okay. You Don't can come, worry you about can come right over here, Alex. Don't it's worry. Okay. It's good. We're not going to hurt you. Okay. So, we have M&Ms. Now, Alex, what I'd like you to do is make a fist. Hold it up like this. Now that's the rule, you have to hold your fist like that, nice and tight. Now, here is what you have to do. Okay. My wife is gonna pour some MMs into your hand and I want you to catch as many as you want. And whatever you catch, you can keep. Oh, no. But you have to keep your hand just like that. Let's see how we do here. Okay, wait, wait. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. Okay, you can put those in there. So she caught, she caught seven M&Ms. So, so you get to keep seven M&Ms. No, no, don't go anywhere yet. Okay, that's with her closed hand. Now we're gonna try something a little different. I want you to open your hand this time. Let's, let's see if we get a different result here. I'd say you've got more than seven there. What do you think? You can put them in the bowl. Okay, hold on for one second. These are yours. We're gonna pour them in here and you get to take them with you. There you go. Thank you for donating your time to us. They say M&Ms make friends. What do you think, Alex? Did we make friends today? Yes. Yeah? That's, that's good. Be sure to share and give. Because <laughs> you'll receive more M&Ms. So, with open hands, we give and we 
yield ourselves to the Lord. We surrender ourselves in a posture of yieldedness and openness and surrender. But there are times, especially I know for me, I want to just speak to you from the heart for a moment, that you come to the Lord, but it's not with a full heart. It's with a broken heart. It's with a heart that's been wounded. It's been the heart that's felt betrayal and sorrow and suffering and hardness and just a hard road. It's been tough. And when you've walked a road that has been very difficult, that has been filled with just a lot of sour grapes, more than sweet grapes, but a lot of sour grapes, and you've had to swallow them, and the struggle has been real, it's been hard, and there are days more than you can count where getting up and breathing hurts. And you ask God, why am I here? There has got to be a reason. Why? And you come to him with open hands and you say, God, this is, this is too hard. I can't do it. And he says to you, with this, Jesus comes to you with this radical idea, give it to me. And he says, I'll take your pain. I'll take your sorrow. I'll take the brokenness of your heart. And I'll give you joy. I'll give you peace. I'll give you that strength that you need. I can give you beauty for ashes. And you, I looked at him with three heads. And I was like, really? I don't think it's that easy. Because when the fight has been for so long, and so hard. And you want, you want to with all your heart to surrender to God. You want to give him all of it. But you don't know how. Because you've been holding on so tight to all of the bitterness, all of the shame, all of the rejection, all of the sorrow, all of that. And you build up walls. And your fist is closed so tight. And the thing that you can do, and I tell you from experience, the step that makes it easier, not, it's not just only a choice, but it has to be an action that you do, that you open up your hands and you yield them before the Lord and you say, God, Lord Jesus, I give you all of this. I give you everything. And I ask you please to help me. I don't know how to surrender. And he says to you, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. And what he gives you, you will be able to bear within him. And as you step out in your weakness, you step into his perfect strength. And he gives you what you need to be able to come to somebody with not just an open hand, but through restoration in God, it will be with a full heart. Because before God can work through you, he has to be able to get inside to work in you. So that there's something to give to somebody else. So when he gets in you, he will work through you. Because he, won't, he says to you, you can't keep what I'm giving you. You have to be willing to be open 
and give it back out. Amen? But so many times we hold on to the fear and the pain and the bitterness and the anger and the unbelief and the hurt and the doubt and the list goes on and on and on. And we don't let go, but until we release those things to God, we cannot receive from him the love and the peace and the joy and the hope and the future that he has for us. So there's this element where as we release to God, as we give him the stuff we don't want, he gives us the stuff that we want. And he replaces it with something way better. So you give him your hatred and he fills you with love. You give him your depression and he gives you joy. You have to let go and then you take the position of receiving and when your hands are open to receive from God, he will fill you. And then your heart becomes filled up so that there's this overflowing in your life so that you can give to others. But too many people never let go, so they never get filled up, so they can't give out. And then they stay stuck. In the book of Titus, chapter 1, verse 10 through 16, for there are many rebellious people who engage in useless talk and deceive others. This is especially true of those who insist on circumcision for salvation. They must be silenced because they're turning whole families away from the truth by their false teaching. And all the men said, amen. <laughs> I got whacked for a service for that. <laughs> and they do it, <laughs> there we go. They do it only for money. <laughs> Even one of their own men, a prophet from Crete, has said about them, the people of Crete are all liars, cruel animals, and lazy gluttons. This is true. So reprimand them sternly to make them strong in the faith. They must stop listening to Jewish myths and the commands of people who have turned away from the truth. But this is what I want you to get. Everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure, but nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are corrupted. Such people claim to know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. So if you're pure, you see life through a pure filter. You see life through a pure lens. But if you're not walking in the purity that God has for you, then what happens? You're corrupted. And then you're disobedient and you're not obeying God and you're not doing what God has called you to do. So in the context of being generous, there's this releasing so that we can receive paradox that we're talking about today. And, and really, the lens by which we look at life will determine how we live life. If you look through a pure lens, you'll live a pure life. If you don't have a pure lens, you're gonna have a hard time. You're gonna struggle. And it's gonna come down to what you focus on. See, we kinda started with that with baptism, but what voice are you listening to? Do you have the ability to just focus in and listen to God's voice only? Because that'll make all the difference in the world for you. But too many people, the voice of the world, the voice of their flesh, the voice of their friends, the social media stuff, the television, the movies, the, they all have a voice. And it's all trying to make you believe that their worldview is correct. But in Christ, we know that it's the voice of the Holy Spirit that we want to listen to. So when we come to the place in our life where we just focus in on his voice and we 
get the pure filter. We let the Holy Spirit cleanse us. The word of God does the work inside of us and we look at life through pure. Then our motives are pure so that we don't have to live a disobedient life to what God has called us to live. And too many people spend too much time claiming to know God, but they don't live the Christian life. I mean, realistically, if you're not interested in living like a Christian, don't call yourself a Christian. And, and you know, on the apologetic side of things, we talk to people sometimes, and, and it comes down to this. If someone is taking on the nature and character of Christ and reflecting Christ, they're living a Christian life. If they're not doing that, they can call themselves whatever they want, but it's inconsistent with Christianity. You know, sometimes people get really radical and, and you know, you, you listen to their mindset and they come to the wrong conclusion. So let's just take the concept of abortion. We know that as Christians, life begins at a conception. God breathes a new spirit into existence. You have a unique life. Science will prove that to you now with the uh, DNA code of an individual human being at conception. It's a unique individual child. We know this, but, but there's still... The, the doctors that will perform this because their conscience doesn't condemn them because they don't know God. Now watch. So you'll get some person that calls themselves a Christian and in the name of God, I'm gonna go kill this guy and they shoot him. And you've seen these cases, they come to the wrong conclusion because what they're doing is saying that they're a Christian but they're not acting like Christ. What does Christ say to do for your enemies? How does he say to treat people that don't know Jesus? Pray for them? Treat them with respect and honor? Does he say go kill them? No, it's inconsistent with Christianity. So how can you call yourself a Christian but not take on the nature of Christ and act like Christ wants us to act? Now that's a really far out there example. But what does the Bible have to say about anger and resentment and bitterness and rage and drunkenness and unforgiveness? The Bible has a lot to say about those things. So if we're taking on the nature and the character of Christ, now I understand we're all in a process. I get that. We're going glory to glory, step by step, but you should be making some progress. But too many people, they identify so much with their flesh. They identify so much with the pain of their past and the hurt of their past, they won't let go because their identity is tied up to it but you have a new nature now and a new identity. So in Christ, we're now Christians. We can let go of the things that are holding us back and then we can receive from God. I gotta go to labels. If you listen to Dr. Carolyn Leaf, she talks about everyone has a gift. But one of the things that you can hear kind of subtly in her teaching is there's a lot of people that get a label when they're young and they live their whole life under the shadow of that label. And here's the sad part. Man has developed a system by which they grade people. And not every gift falls under the category of those grades. So people get a label. You're not good enough. You're stupid. You'll never amount to anything. And the truth is, God has given everyone a gift. Society prospers when everyone has a chance to contribute. That's biblical economics. 
when everybody contributes something, that's when society prospers. But what happens is because of labels, people think that they can't do anything, they can't contribute, they don't have anything to give, and then they keep and withhold the very thing that God has placed them on earth to contribute. What a lie the enemy's given us. And how many people live their whole life in the shadow of a label when realists, God wants you to go so far beyond. He's made you a new creation, he's made you a new nature, and he's given you a unique gift, talent, and ability so that we can go and be a blessing to others. Okay, he spoke too long and used up all my words. Okay, so we're going to talk about briefly on treasure. And in Proverbs eleven twenty four to 25, it says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And WCF is a large wonderful, thriving, growing, welcoming church. But even in the best of conditions, we don't know everybody. It's impossible to know each person. But you know someone, and you know someone, and you know someone. And in through all of these connections, whether directly or indirectly, you know, uh, singly or collectively, we all know somebody. And through these relationships, these connections that we have with each other. We draw strength. We draw support and encouragement. We share um, our burdens and our sorrows, and we help each other. And it's good to lean on each other, the body of Christ together to help each other. But in that, we also are aware, when we become aware of somebody's burden, of somebody's need, It's not for us to simply go and call the church, call the pastor. They need to do something about it. If God has given you the means, you the talent, you the gifting, you the treasure, and you have become aware of this, there's a reason. And you need to do something about it. You need to go meet the need. You need to go and help, whether singly or collectively, like in your group, in your ministry. This past year, our mentor group, we became, Pastor Arjun and I, aware of a need of a family. And we became aware of that need. We didn't, you know, call the church and say, you need to do this and this and this and that. We put it out to our circle of friends, our connection, our relationship, and we said to them, hey, we have an opportunity to be a blessing. We want to support this family. We want to provide a good Christmas for them. You guys want to help us. And it wasn't everybody give this much. It was everybody gave what they could give. And what everybody was given, they gave. And we blessed that family. And we were able to help them. And we not only gave them monetarily and stuff, we gave them hope. We gave them encouragement. We gave them a reason to know that God heard them and God answers prayer. And God was able to work through us to do that. And we ourselves were greatly encouraged to be able to see the look on their faces and their excitement and they're just, they're being overwhelmed at what God can do and the generosity of his people 
when we come together and that when we take care of each other, we're supposed to be taking care of each other. There shouldn't be a need or a want among us in the church. We should be helping each other. Yeah, I'm going to go to first. First John chapter 3, 16, 17, and 18. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let us not, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's, let us show the truth by our actions. There's a concept here. If in your circle, I think the Greek word is oikos, your sphere of influence, if you see a need, meet it. You don't have to call the office or assign it to the pastoral team so that we can find people to do that. Just meet the need. It's within your ability to do so. And if we learn to live life that way, that ties into it's better to give than to receive. It's very quiet. One of the things that we have to come to the conclusion in our lives is God has put me here to become a blessing to others. Yeah. You'll hear me say this over and over and again because really if there was no benefit for God, if God didn't need you here to minister to others, he would kill you as soon as you gave your life to him and take you to heaven before you messed it up. But he doesn't. He leaves us here so we can start taking on the nature of Christ and then we can go and extend our hands to others. But the question is, do you live life with closed hands or do you live life with open hands? Because if we really love people, then how are we gonna live? We're gonna be generous. But we've concluded, not just scientifically, but from the scriptures, more importantly, that generous people are happier, they're healthier, <laughs> they enjoy life better, and they, they enjoy the stuff they have more and they have a higher state of personal wellness. So, I don't know, it's not rocket science, but let me think. The Bible says it, the research says it, it's pretty safe to conclude that if we live this way, our life changes for the better. So why would we not wanna do that? Well, what are we holding on to? Is it fear of lack? Is it insecurity? Is it selfishness? Is it greed? Is it doubt and unbelief that God's word isn't really true? Or that God's not gonna meet your need or God's not gonna meet you where you're at? You see, if his word is true, which I believe it is, then we don't even have to doubt or question it, we can just start doing it. And when you start living that way, it changes everything. Because Again, until you learn to let go of stuff, you're never going to receive. In marriage covenant, it's important that two people come together and try to outdo each other in blessing one another. You need to catch up. I got you back this time. You got me back. That's right. <laughs> I need to catch up. Can I have that with some mustard? 
Okay. <laughs> All right. On a more serious note, I want to kind of, ushers, if you want, you can start handing out the communion elements, but don't stand up quite yet. I want to talk about this as you, you, you guys can stand up, but I don't want the congregation to stand yet. One of the things that I think is really important that we understand, God has given all of us different giftings so that we as individuals can reflect different aspects of his nature and his character to the culture at large. And every one of us is different because every one of us is reflecting different attributes of God's character and of his nature. And we, the body of Christ, together can communicate the fullness of God's love to humanity if we all do our part. But if this half isn't using the gifts and this half is, we're only reflecting half of God's nature and half of God's character of the culture. That's why it's so important that all of us work together in the body of Christ. And as we do that, we can accomplish our mission and our purpose and we can influence lives for the kingdom of God and we can bless people. Jesus came to earth to bless people. As Christians, we take on his nature, so we're here so we can bless people. Now you can stand with us. As we come into communion this morning, I want you to, you know, just reflect on, you know, that the principle that we've been talking about today, giving to receive. And the power in giving is just simply that. It's giving. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I freely give it. And the power in that is Jesus also says to you, nobody takes your life from you. You have to freely give it. And you give it to him. It has to be voluntary. It has to be the choice that you make to release it, to give. Without malice, without duress, without somebody forcing you. Or it's not giving. It cannot be called giving. The meaning of giving is, is that what it is. It's a gift. You're giving it without expectation. The first example that we have in giving is Jesus. He first gave. He gave his life voluntarily. Nobody took it from him. That he would receive us back. Relationship with us. Fellowship with us. And then, not to mention, for him, he also received, God promised him, he would be the name above all names, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Every knee would bow, every tongue confess the name of Jesus. We need to remember that in him, our example is given, he lived it out. And for us as Christians, the very first thing that you do as a Christian is you give. You give your heart to Jesus. Freely, nobody takes it from you. You choose to give your heart to Jesus, to give your life to him. 
You will lose your life if you try to keep it, but you will gain your life if you give it. So choose today to give to him. And at that moment, that's when the great exchange begins forever in your life, as long as you would have it. Jesus gives you what he has and you give him what you have. What he gives you when you say yes is his life, eternal life, his strength, his encouragement, his peace, his hope, his love, freedom from fear, from sickness, from bondage, from depression. The confidence to go out and do what you never thought you could do in him. To live life, life more abundantly. This morning, I just invite you to quiet your heart. Focus in on, like Pastor Arjo was saying, that voice inside of you. That quiet voice. And ask yourself, Lord Jesus, are there areas in my life that I have a closed fist? Are there places in my heart where I'm saying no and I'm closing my fist to you and I will not open it to you? Heavenly Father, as we receive the body this morning, I pray that you administer to each heart here that is open That as each heart gives to you what they have. That you would give to them what you have. And that we are here to receive that which you have given to us because we first gave to you. So Father, I thank you that our hearts today, whether they be broken and bruised, full of hurt and anger or bitterness or whether they be full of joy and gladness and faithfulness that we come to you trusting in you that you are the one who makes our hearts full you are the one who makes your home within us and we thank you Lord That the fullness of that is not just manifested inside of us, but that it, it shines so bright that it comes out of us, Father. In Jesus' name. As we look at the cup today, it's a great time to allow the great exchange to take place in your heart. If there's some things in there that you know are not good, Give them to God and let him fill you. The grace that he's given you is the enablement to do what is right and to live right. So put off the stuff that holds you down and take on his nature today. I want to pray. Father, I thank you that as we look at the cup today, that truly there's freedom, there's forgiveness, There's restoration to you. And Lord, you even restore relationships that are broken. You heal the woundedness in our hearts. And you restore to us joy and peace. 
And as we partake, I thank you, Lord, that your grace is sufficient for us in the process and in the struggle, and we can trust you, mind, body, and spirit. So we partake now in faith, expecting your goodness and your overflowing abundance inside of our lives in the name of Jesus. We will look forward to seeing you back here tonight at 6 p.m. if you wanna come for a prayer and worship with us. God bless you all, have a great week. Thank you for coming today.